Welcome back to the High Value Man Conversation. This is a very special episode. I've got a guest on the episode. She is a narcissist slayer. Rebecca Zung, top 1% U.S. attorneys, is a negotiation expert. She has a YouTube channel with over 30 million views, all on the topic of how to slay the narcissist, to be a narcissist slayer. Yes, a narcissist, that type of human being that is a siphon from the relationships like a mosquito. It's like a leech. And she's sharing all of the ways you recognize you're in a relationship with a narcissist, how to win back your space, how to negotiate like a beast so that you get what you want, and how to recognize if you, my friend, might also be a narcissist. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So fun. So fun. It was so fun. We just recently celebrated Rachel's birthday. Yeah. Yeah. We had all the friends out in Dallas at our house out there. And uh, Rebecca came out and there's her pup if you can't see this on, on the audio. But uh, yeah, Rebecca came out and uh, was out there celebrating. It was an awesome night. It was great. Yeah, so fun. So fun. Rebecca, I, uh, I, I know you're going to do a much better job explaining what you do and how you do it, how you got into it. If you don't mind just bringing the listeners up to speed, what exactly is a narcissist, narcissist slayer, and how did you find out about this whole, this whole app? Yeah. So I am an attorney by trade, as you mentioned, and I had one of the top family law practices in Southwest Florida for a long time. And, you know, obviously there was a narcissist or two in there (laughs) or more. So, I mean, I was dealing with narcissists in that way, but I didn't actually even know what a narcissist was Mm. in dealing with them in that way. It was after I merged my practice with a couple of other really fantastic guys, not narcissists, a couple of years ago that I was like, okay, I'm really more of an entrepreneur at heart. I was doing a bunch of entrepreneurial endeavors. And in one of those entrepreneurial endeavors, I ended up partnering with a person who ended up to be a narcissist. I had a narcissistic business partner who was actually female, which I didn't know that a narcissist could be female. And it was really one of the most horrible, heinous, awful experiences of my life. It it caused me so much angst, so much anxiety. I ended up being like awake in the middle of the night. I was like having panic attacks. It, it, uh, it brought uh, up emotions that I thought were long gone. You know, remember I'd had a lot of success as an attorney already mm. and Um, so, you know, I really didn't know what was going on. Then somebody pointed out to me that this person was a covert passive aggressive narcissist. And I did not know what that was. I'd never heard that term before. So I started to do research on it and I was just blown away about, oh my God, what is this? But yet I was definitely certain that this is what this person was. So as I was doing the research, I realized, wow, I could actually apply what I'm learning about narcissists to what I already knew about negotiation. Oh. And I 
was already an expert in negotiation. I had been lecturing on negotiation for many, many, many years. I had been the keynote speaker on the topic. I had written books on negotiation already. You know, so this was already an area I was, you know, considered to be an expert on. So I was started to apply what I was learning about narcissism to what I was I already knew about negotiation. And it was like I had discovered penicillin. And that's how I really kind of got into it. And just so for the listeners that are unaware of what a narcissist is, I have a, a textbook definition. I probably have engaged and interacted with one more than likely, uh, but I don't know that I could pinpoint all of the behaviors. Uh, can you explain kind of what a narcissist is and who they typically prey on? Yeah, I like to give more of a layperson's definition. I mean, there is a DSM-5 definition with like nine different things, you know, where they, they go into grandiosity and all of those like markers. But I like to give more of a layperson definition because I think it's just easier Love that. to understand, which is a person who has no inner sense of value. So they have to get all of their sense of value from external sources. And so they mm-hmm. feel totally and completely empty inside. And so what they do is they get all of their feeling of value from people basically or external sources. And so they, they, you have to picture a person who feels like starving, desperate, Mm. gasping for air, desperate to breathe. And so they want you to fill this black hole inside of them and you might want to fill it too. And so you're left feeling completely depleted, but they're still starving because it's like this sieve in them. Wow. And so you are left like feeling like your soul is completely depleted, but they're still starving. And it's like this complete, you know, cycle. And like a mosquito. Yeah. And yet they're, it's, they're like in um, scarcity mode at all times. Mm. But it's, that's like at the very end of the spectrum because it is a spectrum. It is, you know, a a personality disorder. It is a legitimate personality disorder and that is recognized by the DSM-5. And But because they're in this constant feeling of pain, Mm. that's why they can't feel empathy for Mm. other people because they're just constantly trying to feed this feeling for themselves. You know? So... People who are empathetic, empathic, or, you know, they're, they're, they see this sort of thing and they go, oh, I can love them. I will help them. I will do this. So they seek out people who are going to be willing to give, willing to do, willing to want to do these generous people, kind people, Mm. good people. And they kind of prey on that, mm. you know, they'll, they'll give stories like I had a terrible childhood or my ex was awful or, you know, or they start off by saying things like, 
I can do these things for you, or I can give the world to you, or I can, you know, because they kind of see that this other person wants that love or wants that attention or needs that, you know, and so they kind of mirror and do and give everything at the beginning that this other person needs. And then as soon as they're ensconced and, and, uh, in with this other person, they immediately start devaluing them and start, even if it's a business relationship, which is what it was with me, you know, I'm, I'm picturing like, uh, the way that you're describing, I'm picturing it like, like a leech. Oh yeah. Like they just, they can't get sustenance anywhere else. They can't internally validate. It's all external. They have to attach themselves to someone that is giving, uh, giving their energy, giving their love. And they're just, just a succubus, literally sucking that energy from that relationship. Now, as I, as I hear you describe this, you know, some of this sounds uh, a lot like um, some attachment theory for people that have gone through trauma growing up and they're just, you know, they're doing their best they can to try and validate their love. Where where does the spectrum, because you mentioned the spectrum, where does the spectrum go to an unhealthy narcissist versus um, someone that is really just kind of navigating through life and um, learning about their, their self-worth? Well, I mean, it's somebody who just can't, cannot have any empathy for others, right? Mm. They just literally can't, you know, I mean, somebody says their dog died or, you know, whatever. And they just, it just doesn't, there's no registering for it at all. There's no feeling for the other person of any kind. And so, I mean, it's that, that's really what a narcissist is. And 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 there's really kind of two forms of supply the way I look at it. So I, I, I kind of define it in my terminology as what I call diamond level supply, which is what a narcissist will protect and defend at any cost, which is how they look to the world. So it's, um, it's adulation, it's uh, prestigious friends, impressive, houses, impressive jobs, you know, how they look to the world, respect, that sort of thing. Then there's what I call whole level supply, like the underbelly of narcissistic supply, which is manipulating people, controlling people, treating people poorly. That feeds their ego too. You know, they, they also get, um, uh, you know, a hit on their ego for that, you know, but they don't necessarily show that side to the world. They only show that side to their target. So being passive aggressive, you know, that's also a way of kind of um, a hit to their ego, you know. Uh, so, you know, there's two different forms of narcissistic supply, but when push comes to shove, if, if they have to give up one over the other, they would give up the controlling the other person before they'd ever give up how they look to the world. The externals, the world, that's interesting. Right. And so that's how you build leverage in a, a negotiation. That's how you build your leverage. Oh, okay. I want, I want to pull on that thread a little bit. I, I want to loop back around to this passive narcissist also, but um, talk to me about the leverage because you're a negotiation expert. You recognize that you are in these relationships with these narcissists 
And they really had these two pain points, the kind of internal validation where they have to leech onto someone else, but also the significance where other people have to respect and admire them. So how do you use that leverage point? Once you recognize, and maybe we can also talk about how do you recognize you're in a relationship with a narcissist so that you can get leverage over them? Yeah, so how how do you recognize it? Well, you'll recognize it right away because, you know, when you are, I mean, the red flags are when you are starting off in this relationship, it starts off almost like a bomb, you know, it's like this rocket. Uh, fuel because they, they almost take over your life, whether it's business or personal, mm. you know, they, they kind of blow up your life. You know, it, it, all of a sudden you're just getting hit with this person. Your emails are blowing up. Your texts are blowing up. They've got all the right things to say, all the right contacts for you. If it's business, all the right, you know, I just, I'm thinking of in a business situation, one of the people that I coached, she was fine in a CFO role that she was in. And she was courted to go to uh, China to be a potential CEO of a division. And the guy wooed her and said, hey, you know, you can start this women's organization group within our, you can have all the salary you want, all the benefits you want. You can have everything you want. He, you know, everything she wanted, it was a yes. You know, I mean, it was absolutely perfect. You know, they just, they, they kind of mirror you too. And same thing if it's a romantic relationship. You know, oh my God, you like, uh, you know, chocolate ice cream with sprinkles. That's my favorite. Mm. You happen to, um, you know, love dogs. Dogs are my favorite. You hate cats. I hate cats too. You know, I mean, it's, you can't believe that you found your soulmate, Mm. you know, a certain a certain amount of that is normal in a relationship, right? Because that's kind of how we come together. Like you find things that like, oh, like I've changed a little bit. I know I've changed in uh, in my dating relationship with Rachel and she'll say the same. But what what I hear you say is that there becomes a, a, a disingenuous, like non-authentic molding. It's literally, I'm just going to copy you because I think that's what you want. So you're you're creating a covert contract. You're changing who you are to basically try and get them to like you. Well, right. but not only that, it's it's pressure to get to the next step immediately. Uh-huh. You know, let's move in together. Let let me meet your family. Let's get on a bank account together. Let's uh, partner. Let's sign a contract. Let's, I mean, it's pressure, pressure, pressure to get to that next step immediately. Uh-huh. You know, the joke is no one falls in love faster than a narcissist who needs a place to live. You know, like um, they they want you to um, immediately get to that next level because once they lock you in, then they can start taking withdrawals because the point is they don't want to have to keep making these deposits. They want to start making withdrawals as fast ah, as possible. Interesting. Okay. Uh is is narcissist narcissism a learned behavior or is it like a biological makeup that you're just predisposed to? 
Oh, well, it's definitely as a result of trauma. It's, okay. you know, it's what happened was um, with our brains, when we're in fight or flight, our brains get immediately bathed in chemicals, mm-hmm. you know, because we have to fight, get prepared to fight or flight, right? So our brains release, uh, you know, cortisol, epinephrine, things Adrenaline. like that, yeah. right? And so when we're children, the same thing happens, but children who are continuously exposed to trauma, the brains actually, the growth becomes stunted. The emotional Mm -hmm. part of the brain actually becomes stunted and it causes arrested development in narcissists. So what happens is the limbic system part of the brain is that part of the brain is stunted. So when narcissists grow, they the rest of the brain develops as normal, but when they're presented as adults to stimuli that causes them to feel threatened in some way, which could be the smallest of things, they're very easily slighted. You know, they feel like anything slights them, you know, then they go into this defense mode. So it's called narcissistic injury. And then their narcissistic rage comes flying out in some way. Mm. And that's why you can't negotiate with them in the same way you would a regular reasonable person. Mm. Because most people think narcissists just want to win. What is it that they want? I'll just give it to them. That's no problem. Let me give it to them. I'll be done. But the problem with that line of thinking is that only takes into account diamond level supply, how they look to the world. Mm. It totally forgets about and discounts coal level supply, which is they also love to manipulate you. They also love to see you squirm. They also enjoy the process of just making you miserable. Mm. You know, that's why they constantly move goalposts. That's they enjoy the game. And so one person is over there going, let's just come to a resolution, you know? So the reasonable person is thinking, what's a good reasonable resolution? What's a win-win for everybody? You know, let's split the difference, you know, that sort of thing. The narcissist is going, how can I continue to make the other person miserable? How can I continue the game? And so you're totally on different planes. And different games, yeah. Yeah. Different games, different rules, different perspective, different belief system. Correct, correct. That makes sense, that makes sense. Can you heal from narcissism if it's brought to your attention? Oh, yeah. Oh, totally, totally. But, you know, you have to understand that people who've been in relationship with a narcissist Uh are dealing with complex um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, your wife actually does a great job with. Not yet, but she will be wife. Oh yes. Yes. You're, you're, you're a significant other. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. though. We'll, 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 we'll let her know that it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're a significant other. I, um, beautiful Rachel mm-hmm. does a great job with, because, you do hold that 
trauma in your gut. It does get held down deep in your gut and it's painful and it takes a long time to, you know, it does get held in you physiologically, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's something that people don't even realize how much they carry within them because regular PTSD is something, and I just want to make, make sure people understand the distinction is something that happens to people because of one event, you know, they saw an accident or they were in a war or something. Mm. Complex post-traumatic stress disorder is something that happens to people when it's a regular continuous thing that happens to them over time. Mm. And, you know, if you've been in a relationship with a narcissist, whether it's business or personal, you know, the constant exposure to gaslighting you know, word salad and all of the things that they do to mentally work on you and and cause cognitive dissonance in your brain. What's word salad? Um, you know, things like um, you 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 try to have a conversation with them, and they just say things that are just completely um, out there. You know, to confuse you to mess you up you know that just don't make any sense whatsoever so that you're completely confused you know um you you go back and forth all the time so like for example um you know we you think that a conversation is over and um you know you you went uh, why did you um, go to, uh, lunch with, um, that person or whatever. I didn't go to lunch with that person. I had lunch with your sister. Remember, you know, uh, here's the pictures and here's the text messages and whatever. Okay. You know, that's resolved. And then like an hour later, I can't believe you went to lunch with that person. That's so mm-hmm. ridiculous. I can't believe you did that to me. You know, we just had this conversation, you know, and it, it goes, we're, you know, round and round, like as if you didn't um, just have that conversation. They're stuck know? in a, some type of ruminating pattern then they're bringing it back to the service. As well, a, and, and they know that you just had this conversation, but they purposely do that to you, like to make you think that you're the one who's crazy, um, you know, like that sort of thing. Um you know, that's just one example of, of something that they'll do. I mean, yeah. that's just one example. Sure, sure. Um, you know, like, uh, there's just, I mean, I could give like a hundred. What if, uh, so I, you're you're sharing if uh, you're in a relationship with someone who is a narcissist and you're experiencing this complex post-traumatic stress because they're constantly um emotionally just throttling you and they're really just being a vampire inside of life. What if you recognize, oh man, I've got narcissistic tendencies based on, you know, maybe listen to a podcast or following your content or life wakes them up in some capacity. Can you heal from those behaviors if you're on the other end? You know, what I have heard is that it is extremely difficult because you have to be self-aware. Sure. You have to be willing to make those changes. And most of the time, narcissists are not self-aware. Most of the time they think it's somebody else's fault. It's, it's, uh, I got it's it. you, it's, it's the other person. It's not my fault. It's them. You know, you have to go, 
I have to be responsible for my own triggers. My anger is my fault. You know, it's not mm-hmm. the other person. And um, most of the time, people aren't willing to do that unless, the, you know, they're, they're, they go into full-on collapse because things, life made them do that. You know, sure. they lost their business. Yeah. They lost their family. They lost everything. And they have to, they have to take a look at, hmm, I think the only common factor here had to have been me. So they've hit rock bottom. Correct. Yeah. So, So what I hear you say is another way to spotlight being in a relationship with narcissists is they never take responsibility. They're they're constantly pointing the finger. They're always blaming. It's everyone else's fault. And uh, the self-awareness is actually the tool for healing in any capacity. So once you are self-aware, then you can start doing the work. But oftentimes it takes a significant tragic life event to wake these people up because they're just running through life being the mosquitoes. Right. Exactly. 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 Interesting. There's um, so I've got this, this thing on my wall. It says stop Pam. Um, the type of man that and I identify with that I work with a lot. I call him Pam. So Pam is the passive aggressive man. He's passive with his women. He's passive with his relationships. He's passive with his hopes, his dreams, his desires. And he ends up being aggressive, typically passive aggressive through covert contracts. I'm going to do for you uh, out of expectation that you're going to do for me. He's got a, a number of vices, um, but he's he's not really leading the type of life that we would expect from most of our modern men. And so as I heard you describe this covert, passive, aggressive narcissist, I'd love for you to elaborate a little more on that because I have a feeling some of my guys are are probably dealing with some levels of narcissism. Um, and so I'd love to share a little bit more about, or have you share a little bit more about that covert narcissist. What does that look like? Um, covert narcissists are people who look very kind and, and mm. humble on the outside, but uh, under the surface, there's a lot of rage. They're competitive on this under the surface. There's a lot of, um, you know, pent up anger that they aren't willing to admit or express. Mm. And so it comes out in other ways. So because they don't want to look like they are not kind or look like they are not the good person. So what they'll do is on the surface, they'll say, sure, I'll do that for you or whatever. But they then they just don't do it. Mm. And or they'll do a lousy job or they'll do... They're people pleasers, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, but there's just this underlying rage. They withhold information. Mm -hmm. They withhold things that, you know, could maybe make things better for somebody. And they do that on purpose. Or they'll say things like, uh, you know, yes, you've lost a lot of weight. And, you know, too bad about the stretch marks. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Because they're just kind of like a little bit jealous. Um, you know, they, they never really have anything good to say about anybody else because they're just kind of, uh, always sort of uh, this level of disdain or jealousy or. It's that emptiness that you described. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But they, but they look, everybody thinks that they're nice. Everybody thinks that they're good people. They might be churchgoers. They might be, you know, um, they always do the right thing, but. When people are watching. Right. Yeah. Correct. Correct. You know, these are the people that 
they might sort of plant seeds before the the discard phase. So the last phase of a of a narcissistic relationship is the discard phase. So they might sort of start planting seeds like, oh, you know, um, you know, Susie was drinking a lot, you know, last night, you know, I'm just just so worried. I'm so worried about her. You know, they'll put it in terms of care. They'll put it in terms of concern, you know, when they start talking to other people, but they're not really caring and concern. They're really, they know what they're doing. They're kind of actually planting seeds of what is the discard phase? Does that mean when they're done with the relationship? When the when the relationship is going to be ending soon. Mm. So when they when they start lining up people that are going to be they want on their side to be on what they call flying monkeys, that they're going to want to be on their side and against their whoever their target is, whoever their victim is, whoever their person is that they're going to be discarding, they 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 put it in terms of you know, I just care. I just care about them. So I just want to make sure that, you know, you know what's going on, but, but they're, they put it in terms of care, but then they're going to say something bad about them. Mm. You know? Um, so it's, they're very stealth. They're very stealth in that way. Um, because they, they, they try to paint themselves as a victim. They try to paint themselves as a victim. They try to paint themselves as life hasn't been fair to them. Um, and, and, and a lot of times they keep themselves as a victim because, you know, there's a payoff for being a victim. Sure. Yeah. They've gotten result from it. Right. Exactly. There's a payoff for life isn't fair, but then, you know, there's obviously a a ceiling to life if you want to stay a a victim. Right. That makes sense. So it sounds like there are a lot more narcissists out there than we probably think. Oh, yeah. And Definitely. learning how to a recognize those red flags, you say that there's going to be you're going to feel it pretty pretty immediately. You're going to know that you're in this dynamic, or the power control just feels completely off. It doesn't feel very balanced. There's lack of empathy. Um, there's this feeling like you just constantly keep giving, and the other person is just as empty. Well, and so there's these signals, and once you recognize it, I imagine now is the opportunity where your expertise really comes into play. And how do you negotiate with the narcissist to really slay the bully? I'm planting a seed for your book that I'm so excited to talk about. Uh, but once you recognize that you're in a relationship dynamic with the narcissist assist how do you how do you get what you want so slay is the acronym actually for how to get what you want and slay it stands for strategy leverage anticipate and focus on you okay so strategy is the overall piece that you're going to want to create and that's you're going to be your gps the vision where is it that you want to go so many times when you're dealing with a narcissist you just are like a turtle on your back and all you can think about is what are they doing and how you know pointing the finger and so people like forget to think about what it is that they want you Mm. know so you know, I tell people, stop, think about what it is that you want. Where is it that you want to go? What's the resolution that you want? Be very, very clear about that. Write it down. Be specific. You know, so, so important. You know, when you write down your vision, when you're specific about it, it's mm. so much more um, likely that you're going to get what it is that you want. 
So, and then create an action plan. How are you going to get there? So that's S for strategy. Then leverage. Well, we started to talk about that a little bit, which is, you know, thinking about your diamond level supply versus your coal level supply. You know, so what is going to be the most important thing to the narcissist that you're dealing with? What's their diamond level supply? What's that one thing or the couple of things that they, you know, don't want to be exposed about? You know, who's the most important people, um, you know, in their lives that, you know, is it a new form of supply? Is it their employees? Is it their um, employer? Is it their, like, who's going to be most important to them? And then because their coal level supply is probably you Mm. controlling you, manipulating you. Right. So you want to have them let go of that. You want to have them let go of you. So you want to create a plan for leverage that's going to threaten that source of supply such that, you know, you create a source of of leverage so that it, um, you threaten the source of supply that is going to be more important for them to keep mm. than the supply that they get from jerking you around and then threaten that. But you don't actually expose them because if you do, then your leverage is gone. Right. So that's kind of, and, and, and those, your leverage can be 40 different things, you know, I mean, but the important thing is you build a lot of it. And you kind of build this invisible fence around them and then you present it all to them all at once. And part of your strategy and your tactics, by the way, are going to be when and how are you going to present that to them? Mm. Okay. And then anticipate what the narcissist is going to do and be two steps ahead of them. Well, what kind of narcissist are you dealing with? You've got to anticipate that because they all act differently in in negotiations, covert, grandiose, malignant. you know, so I've got a whole lot of things in my program about that. And then I have all sorts of things in my program about tactical ways to handle narcissists, um, you know, making a plan stand, fluff or favor, vomit later. Like I have all sorts of different ways to handle narcissists. And then, um, and then the why is you. Focusing on you, you being on the offensive, your mindset. Ninety-nine percent of a of of a of a negotiation happens. um, Winning happens before you even show up into the room. You know, you have to you have to believe that you can win Mm. because if you don't believe it, nobody can help you. You know, you have to believe it, and and then that's the power. That is the power. You know, I always say the first negotiation of, of, of the day happens with yourself when you first wake up in the morning. I love that. You know? Yeah. So yeah, what I really hear you saying is I love the SLAY acronym. So it's strategy, leverage, anticipate in you. Strategy, have your vision, be clear with what you want, where you're going, what a win looks like, and be able to stay fast to that. Because it sounds like the biggest, uh, the biggest emotional distress that happens in a relationship with narcissists is just that constant confusion, manipulation and confusion. So where you lose track, that's where the vision keeps you on course. The leverage is finding out what is more important to them than the tentacles that they have wrapped around in you and be able to present that in such a way. Now, when you we talk about this leverage piece, because this works in any negotiation, whether you're uh, in a negotiation with someone who is emotionally maybe uh, stunted like a narcissist or anything really, you got to know what the leverage is. 
Yeah. Are you are you presenting this leverage in a confrontational way? Is there, or does it all depend on the type of person sitting across from the table? Well, I, you know, in my perfect world, you present it like in a, in a negotiation setting, like in a mediation setting or something like that, because you really want to give them options. You know, option A is, you know, here's the best option or option B is I'm going to drop the hammer on your head uh, and, um, you know, you're going to potentially be exposed and it's probably not going to be something that you want. So option A is probably going to be the better option for you. You know, like that's kind of how my perfect way is to do it. Um, but then, you know, there's other ways that you can do it too. And then anticipate. So you're going back to that vision. You're thinking of multiple steps ahead. So you can always plan according to any pivots that they, they might throw at you. And then the, you, this is, uh, this is a beautiful piece, Rebecca. This is all about your ability to really focus on your needs, which ends up getting sacrificed in a relationship with someone that is truly not looking out for you. So I love that. When does the book come out? It comes out in October, but uh, it's in pre-sales now. And if you go to slaythebully.com, Love it. then you can actually pre-order it now and get tons and tons of um, free stuff, including actually a full version of the manuscript early. So even though it doesn't drop till October, you will get a full version of the manuscript early so you can actually read it before October. And we will be releasing a full course that's going along with it, a masterclass, a you know, a workbook, and like $400 worth of bonuses ahead of time. So it's definitely worth pre-ordering it early. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, guys. Well, if you have even the slightest, slightest inkling that you think you might be in a relationship or know someone's in a relationship with a narcissist and you want to win back your life, then check out slaythebully.com and all of Rebecca's content on YouTube, on Instagram and her website. She's got so many amazing testimonials of the work that she's done. Negotiation is such a powerful tool across the board, knowing how to do it, when to do it, but more so when to do it for your life, especially when you're thinking about someone that's not really looking out for the best version of you. Rebecca, is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you want our listeners to know? I also have a free, uh, another freebie for your listeners. If they want, I have free phrases for disarming narcissists. If they want to grab those, they can go to disarmthenarc.com and grab those. And like lots of people love that giveaway because you can use that for writing emails, text messages, just even communication in general. And so if anybody is dealing with a narcissist in their life at all, they can get that disarmthenarc.com. And then also they can find me on YouTube. You know, I have I have like 30 something million views in two years on my YouTube channel. So they can check me out on YouTube and on Instagram uh, at Rebecca Sung. So 
Awesome. I will put all these uh, spots to find you in the show notes and make sure that we are directing the content towards that. Friends and family and listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the High Value Man conversation with this wonderful guest, Rebecca Zung. Please check her out. If you enjoy this episode and you know somebody that might like to know more about the Narcissist Slayer, do us a big favor and like, comment, leave us a five-star review, and we will see you on the next episode. Talk to you soon. Much love and many blessings. Boom.